second speaker this afternoon is Ann Sutherland Harris. It's so heartening to see the attendance at this first committee on women in the arts CAA board committee sponsored session. Ann Harris. Well, Alessandra is such a fabulous speaker and such a celebrity. I was afraid everybody's going to leave when I got up here. I'm glad to see you hanging in there. What? What are you leaving? You're leaving. Okay, off you go. <laughs> um, I told, uh, God, I can't even remember your name. Charles Stein. Guy, that's what happens with old age. Uh, not to bother an introduction, seems to me you had enough there to keep you going. Um, I'm a Baroque scholar at Pitt and a feminist agitator whenever I get the chance. And the title I gave my talk, which has been constructed in great haste, is Locating Our Glass Ceiling in 1994. <clears throat> You're familiar with that metaphor, the glass ceiling, that invisible point beyond which professional women are not allowed to go. No one says we can't do it, but somehow or other we never get the chance to try. Where is the glass ceiling now in the professions represented by the CAA? Have women penetrated every inner sanctum of our various professions? Is true equality to be found in college teaching of art history and studio art at all levels? In the museum world? I rather doubt it. But in the short time I had to prepare this talk, because I was asked to, to do it last week, I could do little checking, and I know that it is dangerous to rely on anecdotal evidence when discussing any aspect of discriminatory practice. I see this session as a chance to spark realization of the problems that remain, as well as to count the genuine progress that has been made since the organization, CAA, began to take these issues seriously in the early 1970s. In fact, I think I may have been the first chair of this committee a long time ago. I suspect that the first duty of the CAA's Committee on Women in the Arts will be to compile some new statistics, those wonderfully useful impersonal records of where we are and where we are not. I happen to have at home lists of the faculty currently teaching at the 38 universities in this country that grant the PhD. From these, I was able to learn that at the rank of assistant professor, there are exactly the same number of men as women, namely 53. At the rank of associate professor, women actually predominate slightly. There are 62 women and 53 men, or in statistical terms, we are 54% of that rank. It is when we reach the top, as usual, that problems emerge. There are 297 full professors of art history at PhD-granting departments of art history in the U.S., that is virtually 300, but only 82, or just under 28%, are women. Given that 60% or more, and I could not get an accurate figure, but it's roughly 60% of the PhDs in art history have been awarded to women in this country for over 20 years. It may actually be even higher than that. It is disturbing to me that the split is 50-50 at the entry-level position of assistant professor, and sadly revealing that there is such a huge discrepancy once it comes promoting women to the top rank and to the half-decent salary that comes with it, not to mention the opportunities and privileges of teaching at a PhD-granting institution. Princeton seems to be the worst, most egregious offender here, with 12 full professors, not one of whom is a woman. 
And indeed, the department only recently gave tenure to a woman for the first time, to Patricia Fortini Brown, who is a Dynamo Renaissance scholar. Minnesota has 12 faculty at full and associate rank, only one of whom is a woman, uh, Carol Ann Marling. And at UC Santa Barbara, I'm surprised, I have friends there, uh, is also surprisingly male-dominated with nine men in the upper ranks and no women. University of Virginia has 16 faculty with tenure, but only three women. But Columbia, Harvard, and Yale have all improved their ratings uh, considerably in the last five years, though men are still in a comfortable majority. And the women they have taken under the fold tend to be specialists in the difficult fields such as Egyptian, Byzantine, Islamic, African, Mayan, and Asian that demand formidable language preparation. This is a pattern with a long history. The message it conveys is that a woman who can master Chinese or Cufic script or hieroglyphics is, gosh darn it, smart enough to join the club. I don't know Cufic, you see, so... Uh... Edith Parada, who knows everything there is to know about ancient Iranian cylinder seals, was the first woman to become a full professor of anything at Columbia University in 1958. And when I joined that faculty in 1965, she was still one of a handful of women, uh, women at that rank. And probably some of you know that Margareta Bieber, extremely distinguished historian of Roman sculpture, retired from Columbia in the 50s with the rank of associate. They would never promote her to full professor. Luckily, women are not so isolated anymore, even at uh, most of the so-called Ivy League schools, although they still have the smallest percentages of women faculty. So where are the good guys? Where should you go if you want lots of simpatico women to mentor you through your graduate years? Bryn Mawr, a very small department, actually has more women than men. So does the University of Texas at Austin, and so does Rutgers. The CUNY Graduate Center, Ray for Rutgers, okay. The CUNY Graduate Center also has a majority of women, even after losing Linda Nocklin, who you know has now gone to the Institute via Yale. My own department, Pittsburgh, has five men and four women at tenured ranks, and the woman chair, and our men are all feminists. And of course, plenty of the men in our profession are feminists, and very supportive of the talented women that they teach. But if a department is almost exclusively male, one has to wonder how comfortable its members are with the idea of women as peers and equals. Some of you may have managed to pick up a flower from the Gorilla Girls yesterday. I don't know if they're still distributing them, but they've got some other statistics here about um, not necessarily PhD institutions, but other institutions. And they are quite hairy. They're quite bad. And I'm told they come from the CAA, but I have been able to check them. But uh, the Gorilla Girls are wonderful. I'm a great supporter of them. I'm an honorary gorilla girl. So what can we do about it? We can't do much except to embarrass the offenders periodically, as I've done today, and to remind them that by refusing to consider more than half of the potential candidates available, they will inevitably lower the caliber of their faculty. Still, some faculty would rather die than hire a woman as smart or smarter than themselves, or having made the mistake of hiring her, give her tenure. All of us know horror stories of superbly qualified women denied tenure or promotion to full professor or the accolade of distinguished professor, I've just heard of a case of that, or interviewed but not hired by some famous school, which preferred still to hire someone like themselves. There are rumors of lawsuits here and there. In fact, one was confirmed to me uh, during this meeting. The Art Museum at Princeton allowed a donor to give most of a building in memory of his son and the woman's toilet in memory of his wife. 
If you don't believe me, check it out the next time you are there. There is not much hope, I suspect, for an institution that lets that happen. They'll never give me a job, right? I have no statistics on the distribution of women art historians at other kinds of departments, except this uh, Gorilla Girls flower, but maybe the CAA does. If it does not, it should get them and collect them on a regular basis. It should never have stopped doing so. It should be doing it every year. It's the only way to monitor the situation. My guess is that women artists have a much harder time getting and keeping full-time teaching positions than do the art historians. Subjective value judgments have more scope when judging artistic rather than scholarly capacities, and that situation always operates against women. The museum world is another barrel of apples altogether, and some of them are rotten. How long has it been, eons, since the only female museum director that any of us could bring to mind was, and still is, Anne Darnoncourt of the Philadelphia Museum? In 1974, the National Gallery of Canada had Jean Sutherland Boggs. She's no relation of mine, but we're a good clan. Uh, now it has Shirley Thompson. And I know some small museums, even middle-sized museums, that have women directors. I think at that level there has been some improvement. But when the big jobs come up, all the rumored candidates are male and the men are hired. One such major job recently went to a pale male. I will not tell you his name. You'll see why in a moment. A woman friend, herself a small museum director, almost fell out of her sofa at Christmas when she heard who had been appointed. Blankety blank? I don't believe it. Why, we were in graduate school together and he was so dumb we had to hold his head up to keep his brains from falling out. <laughs> The source may sound Texan, but it isn't. My friend had just finished a major building campaign, uh, raising the money, hiring a famous architect, and bringing the project to completion on time and under budget. The man just hired by the major museum had also just completed a major building by a major architect for another museum, but he had not raised enough money to cover the cost overruns and had not finished the project on time. Well, I know which of the two I would have hired to run that major museum. Why does this happen? Don't trustees check arty men as carefully as they check the business executives they hire? Are they only looking for somebody charming through whom they can channel their charitable deductions? There are women available with the necessary background and personalities to run places like MoMA, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, or the Los Angeles County Museum, to name three museums currently hunting for male directors. And I can supply the names of at least three fabulous women if anybody wants concrete suggestions. But this is one of those shadowy areas where subjective judgments abound and women are still not perceived as having the social prestige and financial skills that somehow accrue to any man who is at least five foot ten and can balance a checkbook. Still, it puzzles me that Anne Darnoncourt's distinguished performance has not inspired other important museums to hire women as directors in these past 20 years. Closer to home, as Alessandra mentioned, the CAA has for many years now had, I think, even a majority of women on its board of directors and a succession of women directors, a change that began around 1970, I think, with the appointment of Anne Coffin Hansen. I think she was the first, and uh, Marilyn Stockstad was the second. And Anne Coffin Hansen was also a pioneer woman faculty member at Yale. Women seem to be amply represented uh, as session chairs, as givers of papers, and administration of the CAA has been superbly handled by women for as long as I can remember, by Rose Weil and now by Susan Ball. But the Art Bulletin, 
the most important publication of the CAA, had only had one woman as editor until Nancy Troy's recent appointment to that position. I hope there will now be many more. Other glass ceilings. Another feminist friend pointed out that the Mellon Lectures in the History of Art at the National Gallery have never been given by a woman art historian. One woman has given them, Kathleen Rain, who lectured on William Blake in the 50s, but she is, uh, or was, because she was born in 1908, and I don't actually know if she's still alive. She's a poet and literary historian, not an art historian. And that really is astonishing and scandalous. That institution is funded by our tax dollars. Where are the Washington, D.C. guerrilla girls? I think a letter-writing campaign is in order and makes suggestions when you write. Emily Vermeule of Harvard, Linda Nochlin of NYU, Alessandra Kamini of Southern Methodist, uh, Elizabeth Johns of Penn, Nina Athanasologlu Kalma of, De of Delaware, Irene Winter of Harvard, Catherine Wilkinson Zern of Brown, Evelyn Harrison, Kathleen Wargaris Brand of NYU, Elizabeth Cropper of Johns Hopkins, and so on. There are plenty of women with solid gold scholarly reputations who also happen to be excellent lecturers, not a criterion always fulfilled by the men who've been so honored. But women are used to being twice as good, which usually isn't difficult, etc. You may not know that CASVA, the Center for Advanced Study in the Visual Arts in Washington, invites one scholar to be a senior fellow. You don't have to compete, you're just invited because you're so terrific. And it had never invited a woman until Sylvie Begin from France, from Paris, a few years ago. She, it turns out, was in fact a last-minute replacement for André Chastel, who cancelled. This year, for the first time, a woman has been so honoured, Anne Coffin Hansen, also the first woman to be president of the CAA. Uh, but it shouldn't take so long, and it needs to, you know, it, there shouldn't be exceptions. Does your institution have a prestigious lecture series or a special guest seminar of some kind? How many women have been honored over the years at your school by being invited to give those lectures? Were any of the Reitzman lectures given by women? I believe not. How many of the Mitchell Prizes for the best art history book in English have been awarded to women? This last year, I think actually two women got the two prizes, but for a long time there were no women that I think Jennifer Montague got the junior prize when she should have had the senior one. Two out of 20, uh, or maybe three or, three or four out of 20. And how many women scholars have ever been invited to serve on the selection committee for those awards? That's where the glass ceiling is. And for pointing it out, I shall no doubt be punished by never getting through it myself. So be it. In 20 years, some progress has been made, but in some areas it is glacial. Another area of progress has been the introductory survey text. They, Janssen, Gardner, Fleming, and so on, used to maintain a complete silence on the subject of women artists, and now they compete to have more, and some even put work by women on the cover. Joyce Kosloff has just replaced Paul Clay on the cover of Art Past, Art Present. I think that is uh, a yeah, for, for Joyce. Hard-headed Sophonisbank was sewn on Lavinia Fontana to his last edition of his Italian Renaissance survey. But I don't happen to know what's going on in the 19th and 20th century survey textbooks. Um, perhaps somebody can comment on that later. Are they becoming more enlightened as well? We've had scholarly monographs on Rosalba Carriera, Lavinia Fontana, Artemisia Gentileschi by Mary Garrard, Gabriella Munter, Gwen John, Medias Varro, Alice Neal, all of these since the exhibition. And important exhibition catalogues on Bert Morisot, Georgia O'Keeffe, Frida Kahlo, and Mary Cassatt. I'm sure there are others that I have missed. The popular literature burgeons alarmingly on Frida Kahlo. 
There will soon be more books than anybody except a millionaire can afford to buy on women artists. And I've not touched on the literature analyzing the full meaning of images of women in the visual arts. I do not know if graduate students proposing dissertation topics in these areas are still sneered at and discouraged, but I suspect not, as long as you call it gender rather than uh, women, images of women. What can you do? Well, keep your ears and eyes open. If you notice discrimination, comment on it to your friends, at least, uh, enlighten them. And if it's especially egregious, send a letter to Susan Ball or to Judith Stein. One of the most common areas I notice as I visit museums is the lack of postcards of art by women. I buy those I can find, and if the museum selection is especially bad, I may write to the director. I once wrote to the director of MoMA, Richard Oldenburg, which for years only had one card of a work by a woman. It was Merritt Oppenheim's fur-lined teacup and saucer, which you just saw. A wonderfully subversive object, but one I suspect most of its purchasers did not know was by a woman. Merritt is not a common first name. After a long silence, a lesser mortal responded with some blether as to how women's art doesn't sell. How many posters of Georgia O'Keeffe have you seen in your lives? How many packages of note cards reproducing Mary Cassatt's aquatints have you used? And how many would you like to have of works by Miriam Shapiro or Joyce Kosloff or many other women? When Louise Bourgeois had her retrospective at MoMA, there were no cards of her work available. The expanded shop did finally add some photographs by Diane Arbus and Imogene Cunningham and some of fabrics by Annie Albers and a Louis Popova or two. But check it out. It's still way below what it should be, and let them know what you want. Uh, the same, and apply the same policy to every museum you visit. Buy the cards of women's work when you see it. Buy it in bulk. I always get three or four, you know, try and uh, buy it out. Because money talks. And if the 4,000 members of the Women's Caucus, not to mention the four or 5,000 women who belong to the CAA, each spend $25 a year on postcards, that's close to a quarter of a million dollars right there. I believe that we all spend far more than that on postcards, more like a million. So go to it. The Neanderthals will finally get the message. I also think that the Gorilla Girls should make up postcards and stash them behind the regular stock. Cards that say things like, why are there no postcards of art by women in this museum? Or even, why are there so few works by women in this museum? Still, we've made progress. 82 women professors of art history in PhD-granting institutions. That sounds good, but 28%, that sounds bad. A former New York State Commissioner of Education once said, ending discrimination against women does not mean hiring Marie Curie as an assistant professor. Discrimination ends when the female schlemiels get ahead as fast as the male schlemiels. It's a wonderful quote. I think that this is beginning to happen. That is, I've seen a few female schlemiels do well. And I try to remind myself of the overwhelming numbers of male schlemiels doing better still. When women are no longer exceptions anywhere in our professions, then true parity will have been achieved. Then we can start on Europe. Have you noticed how few women there are on the board of the Burlington magazine? How few women have been invited to give Slade lectures at Oxford and Cambridge or have been appointed professors of art history at any British university? None so far, to my knowledge. I've only touched on a few areas to get the discussion going. My advice to the women here today is to do your very best, keep your tinder dry, and above all, avoid political silence. 
join those organizations that can keep the pressure on by monitoring the scene. If you don't belong to the Women's Caucus as well as the CAA, you should join. There are very few women art historians in that organization. It's mainly women artists, and they certainly have problems, but the organization needs to have all aspects of the profession represented there. And you need to volunteer some time to be on a committee or to chair a committee or to hold an office. These things are time-consuming to do, but everybody who's done them always finds it's a very maturing experience. And for some women, it may be their first key administrative experience, which then leads to much more important and better-paid opportunities later on. But we need to keep the momentum up. I suspect that our fields, the CA fields, may be among the most sexually egalitarian in the academic profession. We could not have made that progress unless a majority of the male majority, or male minority, actually, uh, were not only sympathetic to our cause, but actively supported it. I've been rude about a few men today, because some men deserve a tongue-lashing, at least. And I've carefully not named very many names. But I fear that the younger women here may think that the battle is over, and we have won. It is not over, and we have to keep up the pressure, especially at glass ceiling level, for the sake of all of us. Thank you.